0: Mark, I wish you had that kind of talent. <laughs> she stole it all. I, evidently. That that was very beautiful. We thank you for for coming and singing up here. We hope you can come back sometime. Man, it's awesome seeing the church full today. Uh, all the sickness that's been going on, and man, it's just been rotating around. One person here one week, and then gone the next, and then somebody else is here and gone. Man, I'm glad we're, it's getting full again. I just want to keep praying that this... Uh, Virus that's going around that we just rebuke it, in Jesus' name. And just we take authority over our lives, and just uh, Satan has no control over us if we don't allow him. I want to congratulate the kids from the stock show last night or yesterday. We had a lot of kids in our church that were there and showing. They did an awesome job. Man, I'm glad it was over. That was a long day. <laughs> I'm telling you, time time we loaded them pigs up, I was so hangry. <laughs> It was rough. One more to go. I feel, huh? Yeah, I did. It was hard on me. I feel sorry for these kids that go to these major shows. Man, I'm glad we don't do that. A little bit more about this Mission Quanah. It's going to be tomorrow, like I said. I mean, I would love for men, women, high school youth, junior high youth to volunteer. But they said that they need uh, crowbars, nail bars, sledgehammers, Sawzalls are circular saws that are battery-powered at magnets to pick up nails, trash bags, et cetera. Anything y'all can do will help out. I mean, if you ain't got nothing to do tomorrow and you're willing to help, just please let me know. And we'll talk a little bit about the mission trip we're going on in July, July 13th. I just want to keep that on everybody's mind. I want everybody praying about it, whether they want to go or whether they want to help out financially or whatever. You kids, I promise you, you won't regret going. It was an awesome time last year, and we can't wait to go back again. So pray about it, and we need to get a head count by the end of February so we can start getting everything paid for and uh, start knowing how much money we need to raise, and we'll start raising fundraisers and stuff to get everything going. So let's get started. Will you all please stand with me? Hold on. Hold on. Mark's got a call. And he's taking pictures. You good, okay. It's going to be Hebrews twelve verses four through eleven. It's going to be the New Living Translation. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin, and you have forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as His children. He said, "My child, do not make light of the Lord's, Lord's discipline, and don't give up when He corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those He loves." And he punishes each one of us, each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by his father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all his children, it means that you are are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the fathers of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they know how. But God God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful, but afterwards, there is a peaceful harvest of rot living for those who are trained in this way. Will you pray with me? My heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you that this church is just full today, Father. We just continue to pray against the viruses that are affecting our community and our church, Father. I just pray that you'll just open up our hearts and our minds and our hearts just to receive your message and let it resonate in our lives, Father. I pray that you'll just remove me from the situation and just let your words flow through me, Father. I love you. I praise you, and I give you the glory. I ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. You be seated. So. We started off this year talking about being a new creation in the new year, and last week we talked about men being men of God. But today I want to talk about our future, the future of our church, the future of our community, and the future of our nation. So how do we protect these things? By raising kids up to be followers of Christ. And how do we do that? We look at the Bible for direction and guidance on how to raise our children to be godly. I know this is a very dangerous message to share today, and I've been nervous about it all week because there are many different views on how children should be raised today. But God's given me a word for this year, and that word is simple. See, we've made our lives very hectic by trying to do everything on our own and by trying to follow the world, when all we've had to do is follow the Bible. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You see, God's given us the manual to life. Everything we need to know to do this thing called life is in this book. We make it very difficult when we try to figure it out ourselves. But life can be simple if we learn just how to follow the Bible and apply it to our lives every day. So I want to start with the scripture that almost all of us in here would agree with in theory, but we fail to put it into practice. That's First Timothy 3, 16, and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. See, the Bible, that's, those two verses right there sum up the Bible. It was given to us by God to teach us how to live our lives. How much more simpler do you want it? Here, read this and follow it. I mean, whoo, that was close. Whew, got a little nervous. So everything we need to live our lives is in this book, including how to raise our children in a cross-like manner. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction in the Lord. Now, no matter what our personal views are on raising children, as Christians, we should all have the same ultimate goal, and that's to raise our children up to love God and others as they grow in a joyful submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. As parents, we need to stay focused on the objective, to see our children grow to love God with all their hearts and to love others as they daily submit their thoughts, words, and deeds to Jesus. So here's a few things to help us reach that goal. First, we should seek to bring our kids to a genuine conversion to Christ. This is fundamental to all else. We need to understand that when our children make the decision to invite Jesus into their hearts, they may or may not have truly been converted to Christ. As parents, we're quick to brag about how our child invited Jesus into their heart at church camp when they were seven years old. Once saved, always saved. You know, I've done my part. I don't have to worry about nothing else. See, I grew up like that. I accepted Jesus when I was in junior high and got baptized. And all my life, through everything I did, I use that as my crutch. Well, I got baptized, so it don't matter what I do. See, there was no true conversion in my heart. Jesus tells us that we can tell a tree by its fruit, whether it's good or bad. Fruit takes time to grow. So does your child still have a hunger for God through his word? Is there repentance and conscience towards sin? Do they have a desire to please God? Do they have a growing love for others? Do they have a passion to serve? See, these are signs of a true conversion to Christ. And we need to help our children grow in godliness. This is a lifelong process, but we should start teaching it at a young age. They need to understand that they are not accountable just to you, but more importantly, accountable to God. They need to learn when they disobey you, they're disobeying God. They need to learn to please God with every thought, word, and deed. We need to help them establish a quiet time to spend with the Lord. We need to help them memorize verses. We need to teach them to evaluate their decisions with the question, does this please God? See, we should help them develop good godly qualities. We should teach them about the fruits of the Spirit, God's standards of moral purity including modest attire, how to deal with trials, how to deal with joys and thanksgivings, how to have a servant's heart instead of a selfish outlook. You See, God doesn't care what we look at on the outside. He cares more more about our hearts. We need to help our kids grow good, godly relationships. Jesus said the second greatest commandment is to love others as you love yourself. So our children need to learn what biblical love is. 1 John 3.16 says, By by this we know love, because he laid down his life for, for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brethren. So They need to learn how to resolve conflict God's way instead of the world's way. They need to learn to be able to talk through situations instead of fight through situations. They need to learn how to speak in a manner that builds up rather than tears down. They need to learn to be discerning and choosing who their friends are. 1 Corinthians 15, says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. We should teach our kids to be able to evangelize, disciple, and encourage other kids to follow Christ. Much of this they learn by our example. We need to train our kids up in life's responsibilities. Children need to learn certain skills before they become adults to be able to survive. They need to be taught life skills such as cooking, cleaning, doing laundry, shopping, and that's both boys and girls. They need to learn to drive a car and how to maintain it. Now, that doesn't mean every little girl needs to know how to change the oil, but they need to know that the oil needs to be changed. <laughs> they should learn how to take care of and respect the things that God has given them and to respect other people's property. They should learn about money, how to get a, how to get a job, how to be a good worker in order to keep that job. They should learn about budgeting, spending, and giving. They should understand how to manage a checking account and the dangers of credit card and debt. See, they should learn that they're good stewards of what God gives us. Matthew 25, 14 through 30, we get the parable of the talents. They need to know, know that they, when they get there that he says, Well done, my good and faithful servants. They need to understand that they are caretakers and not earn owners of what God has given us. See, these are some things that will help us reach our goal of our kids being cross-minded. But how do we do that? Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So does God love us in spite of our shortcomings and our sins? Of course. So we should love our kids in the same way is God gracious to us then we should be gracious to our kids does God correct us for our own good then we should correct our kids for their own good so if you get nothing else out of this message today I want you to remember this your example is the primary means for training your children if they see you loving God with all your heart and studying and applying his word to your life more than likely they'll grow up the same way likewise if they see you loving the world More than likely, they're going to grow up the same way. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them when you sit in in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall rot them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. It's important for us to instill an atmosphere of joy in the Lord in our homes. Our kids should learn by watching us that the Christian lifestyle is a joyful lifestyle, full of hope, even in the middle of trials. What we show them is more important than what we tell them. You see, kids will always copy our actions and not our words. Discipline. So this is where many people differ on how to discipline or even if kids should be disciplined these days. But let's take a look at what the Bible says. Let's clear something up first. You can be a friend to your kid, but your priority is being a parent. Kids have friends. All through their lives, their friends will come and go. But what they need is a parent. And God has given parents authority over their children and children should learn to obey their parents. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. That is, it may be well with you, and you may live a long life. <clears throat> and then, of course, my daughter's favorite verse, Colossians three twenty, Children, obey your parents in all things, for it is well and pleasing to the Lord. I made her memorize that one real quick. so children are to obey did you do something (laughs) so children are to obey their parents and when they don't there should be some form of discipline but the discipline should come out of love and for the good of the kid not out of anger or a desire to control the kid Proverbs 3.12 says for whom the Lord loves he corrects just as the father corrects the son in who, him, who he delights. See, I know that discipline sounds negative, but when done properly and out of love, it is vital for Christian growth in our children. And the sooner you start to teach them respect, the better off you'll be. They have seen a lot of times when the parents laugh at the things their kids do when they're young. But then when the kid gets older, they want to try to lay down the law. That's backwards of the way it should be. If you teach them at a young age how to behave, you won't have such a hard time trying to reprogram them at a later age. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm sure some of y'all have probably seen it, at a store where a toddler kicked their parents or hit their parents or thrown a fit, and instead of the parent disciplining the kids, they reward them with candy or a gift just to get them quiet. You see, and that kid grows up and acts the same way, and the parents can't figure out how to control them. So discipline should always start at a young age for the good of the child. And it should be consistent. How often do we get lazy with discipline? It's a hassle to discipline and correct the kid every time they do something wrong. Isn't it just better just to turn a blind eye and just ignore it sometimes and act like you don't see what's going on? Then you don't have to do anything about it. See, this is very confusing to the child. They don't know if they're going to get away with murder one day or get nailed for something minor the next. See, I knew a lady back home, and her kid was always being disrespectful to other adults. And she would laugh about it. She would take out her phone. She would record them. She'd come show you, hey, look what my kid did. And she would laugh, make a joke out of it. Well, then the kid would do the same thing to her, and it was borderline child abuse. You see, the kid was young and didn't understand why he could get away with it one day but he would get beat for it the next day. So you have to be consistent. and Both parents need to be on the same page. If one parent allows the kid to do something that the other doesn't, it just causes resentment between the two parents and between one of the parents and the child. Discipline needs to be distinguished between immaturity and defiance. When a child does something wrong for the first time, they don't deserve punishment. They simply need to be instructed and corrected on the right thing to do the next time. However, if they continue to do the same thing over and over again, now they're being defiant and they should be punished. There are several proverbs in the Bible that talks about discipline. <clears> 13, 24 says, He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. 29, verses 15 and 17 says, The, Lord, the rod and, and rebuke give wisdom. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Correct your son so he will give you rest. Yes, he will give you delight in your soul. And 23, 13, and 14 says, Do not withhold correction from a child. For if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with the rod and deliver his soul from Sheol or hell. Now, don't get me wrong. None of these verses are an excuse for child abuse. And none of these verses give you just the opportunity just to beat your kid just because you feel like it. But I know a lot of people that will also say, well, that was the Old Testament. Things are different now, which brings us back to 1 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is from God. Now, at the same time, this doesn't mean that a child should get a whooping every time he does something wrong. The punishment should always fit the crime. Can you imagine if God whooped us every time we messed up? Sometimes a simple lecture will work. Sometimes a timeout which we call being grounded back in my day, and it lasted more than five minutes. But sometimes it does require the paddle. Just make sure that it's out of love and not out of anger. And finally, don't make your kids an idol that you spend all your time worshiping. Kids need to fall down. Kids need to get hurt. Kids need to learn how to lose. We can't keep giving participation trophies. I know there's some some towns and across this nation that, In little league sports, they don't even keep score, so everybody wins. You know, that's not teaching their kids right. My kids and I, we have a running joke that every time they ask to do something and their mom says, oh, no, you'll get hurt, we all start looking up for the helicopter. (laughs) You know, something that hovers over you and watches everything you do. But there's a new term now, and it's called a lawnmower parent. And that's someone that mows down any obstacle that gets in their child's way. See, both of these may sound loving and seem like you're just doing it out of love, but it only sets your child up for failure in the future. Kids need to be able to overcome adversity while they are young, and you can guide them through it, instead of when they are grown and out on their own and expecting everything to be easy and just given to them. So in closing, protecting our future begins with raising our kids to be like Christ. Disciplining our kids may be hard, because we just want to show them that we love them and protect them from anything bad, but to show true biblical love through righteous discipline. But we show true biblical love through righteous discipline and correction. So we'll open up the altar now. If you want prayer, or if you want to join the church, for the, or if you want to accept the cross for your first time, the altar will be open. Kathy will have a song, and the altar will be open. So will you please stand pray with me? My Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I thank you for the message that you've given me. Father, I just pray that you'll just continue to work into my life and into the life of this church. Father, I just pray that you'll just breathe your breath into us, Father, and just give us opportunities to serve you and just lead us, Father, and just open up our hearts and our minds just to receive your word and your understanding. Father, we love you and we praise you. ask you things in Jesus' name. Amen.